Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. All right. So this week, we're actually at Build It when this thing is going to air. So I'm pretty excited to be there. But right now, let's talk about with Sonny and Bill about uh, the future of IT. Sonny is from IT by Design. He has something to do with that uh, that conference. I think he's a minor deal there. <laughs> um, and uh, Bill is uh, an expert on all things MSP. So what I want to do is talk in this podcast. Like the winds are changing. There's there's a there's a there's pressure on the market right now. And you know, being in the industry for the past twenty years for my for me is I can see when there's inflection points when when the system's going to change into cloud. You know, when we when we had more move into uh, direct delivery of PCs back in the late nineties. Um, what we want to do is figure out what does the future of IT service providers and MSPs look like? Uh, who wants to take that one first? What does this future of IT service providers look like? What's going to change here in the next five years? So I, I can start. I mean, I, I think a few things, um, you know, and, and some of these are very obvious. So, you know, uh, forgive me if it, if it does sound obvious, but I think some of it is obvious, right? So certainly what we're seeing in AI right now. So, uh, you know, everything around chat, GTP, the things that we're starting to see with BART, with Google and these types of things. So we're, we're seeing a lot of clients looking for ways of how do they apply and how do they adopt these new types of technologies. And I think for MSPs, creating uh, service deliverables and service offerings around that, uh, I think is something that we need to, uh, one, be able to, number one, use ourselves internally to improve our own businesses and, and leverage it for our own businesses. And then secondly, you know, really being able to provide it as a service or an offering out to our clients. Uh, clients are going to be looking for guidance as to, how do they leverage, you know, artificial intelligence or AI technologies to enable their own business and create competitive differentiation for them? So I think that's the first big trend, I would say. And then the second is, um, you know, I, I, I just continue to see the morph of cybersecurity, uh, you know, continuing. I, I, I think the technology aspects of cybersecurity is relatively straightforward you know um, ransomware hits right so we're going to look at technologies to prevent ransomware recover from ransomware i mean i think that's kind of the easy aspects but it's really helping clients take an overall um you know security first approach to their business and the way that they address things so we're we're seeing probably, you know, 90 to 95% of all conversations we have with clients have some level of security within those. So those are probably, you know, again, everyone say, yeah, security super obvious. And so is an AI because it's on every headline of every newspaper right now in the country. But I, I think those are wins that without direct uh, question, we got to be at. And Adam, I liked your opening. It was, you know, if you, if you go back, six, seven years ago, even Time Magazine, the, the cover was cloud and getting everybody into cloud. So I still think there's a lot more to do in the cloud space and cloud adoption and, and leveraging cloud. And certainly cyber and AI are all cloud delivered type technologies and powers. So uh, I think that will stay, cloud will still be relevant, but I think things like infrastructure as a service, 
um, platform as a service. I think some of those things are at a maturity level where most clients know how to adopt those, where I think AI and cybersecurity is still at a very immature space where clients are going to be looking for a lot of help and guidance. Sonny, what, do you, what, is, what is your prediction here? What do IT service providers look like over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, and I agree with Bill. From technology uh, technology's point of view or future business models, uh, from technology point of view, that, uh, service offerings point of view, uh, AI is, is gaining momentum. And uh, any MSP figuring that piece out uh, will win in terms of how to do this, I mean, how to use this effectively internally and also be the trusted technology advisor for their SMB customers to adopt AI in a meaningful way with impacts their business and growth. And the, yeah, so from cybersecurity is gonna continue to grow more and more uh, challenges are there, especially the compliance of what's happening now in Europe on top of everything else in terms of regulations. It's not becoming a, like, you know, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's must, must have from a compliance point of view. So if you're MSP, it's your job, it's your responsibility, accountability, and you will be held accountable if you are not taking care of the basics for your customers as their technology solution provider. The cloud, cloud, you know, the cloud is there. The biggest friction with cloud implementations is cloud talent. Talent It's hard to find people. Azure, AWS, like there's a, such a shortage of cloud and cybersecurity and AI talent. AI is relatively new. So, in another piece is the talent landscape is going to continue to change and it's going to it's going to force MSPs technology solution providers to figure out a new way to think about their talent strategy. Because in the remote remote world that is relatively new, I mean, post COVID, and the whole from hiring, retaining, how you kind of really engage people, every, how you performance, how you do performance management with remote teams, everything changed. And a lot of businesses are struggling with, you know, the, the productivity, uh, true engagement of their team members that are either in hybrid or, or remote. So more and more hybrid is hybrid is here to stay. We see that we kind of, you know, see those reports. But when, when I look at like, you know, we do a lot of uh, data uh, research with our partners, like what keeps them up at night and what really uh, is their five year, three year vision. Uh, the number one thing that they're seeing is basically the, the talent to execute well on the new technologies. It could be AI, it could be cloud, it could be cybersecurity. Now, the other piece that keeps them up at night where they want to, it's a big opportunity and they want to really leverage the opportunity and that's what's keeping them up at night is the competition. What's happening is the space is really really vibrant that's why a lot of pe money came into the space there are more and more wannabe ms msps they're they're you know from copier companies we have been hearing that from years now from uh telecom to like any company out there with the different value offerings that they had but they never had msp offerings for smbs because there is so much money in this channel, more and more businesses are coming in. That's one factor. 
with the competition. The second one, Adam, is PE bat, PE power, resources, more capabilities in terms of sales marketing to win customers, in terms of delivery, like the, the overall caliber that they can afford for leadership. They are making it hard for small, smaller MSPs. So either I see that three to five years, either you're going to make it or it's going to be really hard for, I mean, if you want to make it, you need to be able to create that competitive advantage. And then we discussed in the last podcast is the product is the same. PE companies, bigger MSPs, where they're giving a lot more competition to smaller ones, where smaller MSPs for their not only survival, but thriving is the unique experience that Bill was talking about earlier. If you can differentiate yourself as a unique experience that the bigger MSP can do, because at the end of the day, these businesses started with providing that humanized IT or that that personal touch to the to the business. They, these businesses were built on relationship and based on you know like really that in-person uh, experience. So if you understand what will differentiate you, then the competition is not going to be a problem for you. And last but not least is the talent landscape is what we talked about is if you can, sooner you can build a capability where using the new talent landscape, um, uh, you know, the, the landscape that, that we are playing in right now, what you need to do today to leverage the best talent to win, like creating that winning team to win against any competition to build AI, cybersecurity, and cloud practice because people are going to build that. People are going to people are going to sell it, and people are going to provide the experience. So if people can figure that out in the new landscape in the next three, four, five years, those companies are going to be the winners, like uh, Chick Fil A, because all they have is right experience. Product is you know the same burger. But it's, uh, I mean, there is a little bit different, but it's uh, the, almost the same product, right? It's, at the end of the day, it's how you make people feel around you when they are your customers or they're working with, with you and what you are doing in terms of the talent that is making that happen. Yeah, I think we've noticed the same thing with our group of MSPs is that the bespoke or the boutique MSP that says, we love dental ops. We love um, to work with schools. And when they, when they say that, they're, they're unknowingly caring individually because they walk into this client and it's not the first time they've seen a school. They know from the last 13 conversations they've had that this school really cares about the students. They care about making sure that things are easy for their teachers. They care about uh, Chromebook deployment. And they can and they care about E-rate. So they can walk in pre-prepared and say, you know what? We care about this stuff too. And we have built our service model around making sure that this is easy for you. And yeah. I feel like the client feels heard and seen then. And they're willing to spend more for that bespoke or that boutique feel. Because now you get me. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, I think there is a lot to be said for uh, expertise in specific verticals. And when you have that expertise in that vertical, um, you become one of them. I mean, one of the, um, 
you know, one of the things I've seen with lodge manufacturers over the years is, you know, if they have something that's going to be good for a hospital, you know, some of their sales leads and their uh, professional leads will be ex-doctors or ex-surgeons, right? Uh, uh, you use school as an example. I remember a uh, manufacturer that went out and hired a superintendent from one of the largest school systems in the state of California. And the reason being was that superintendent could come in, talk the language, the expertise and understand what every other superintendent that gentleman spoke with was looking for and needing. So uh, to your point, Adam, I, I do think you know, ver getting a vertical market or vertical expertise in a specific area can differentiate a lot of MSPs. But I think that also starts at the beginning in the envisioning stage is what are we building? Who are we building it for? And then putting your KPIs to measure success, which is what we talked about in the earlier session we did last week, right, is really that vision of what am I going after? What am I building? What's the value proposition? Who's going to get it? And yes, a lot of MSPs build that based on vertical specialization. Yeah, I, I do see that every once in a while, I'll get somebody ask me a question like, how do I how do I get more clients? And they put these broad stroke uh, Facebook ads out there, these broad stroke Google ads out there saying, I'll take anybody, you know, like it's not, it's not personal. It's just, hey, I'll be your IT person. It's like, no, you know what? I care. I come from a history of 20 years of educational institutions. Um, I'm one of you. you know, I was a teacher, for, you know, like whatever it is that is your unique value prop. So you can speak to that person on the other side of the screen. Um, you know, I mean, even Sunny, like before you came onto this podcast, you, one of your first questions to me was, what's the persona of the people on the other side? You wanted to care for the people on the other side of this podcast because you want to speak to people and in a way that matters in that relationship. And if you don't know that person, if they're just a, a paycheck for you, it's going to show in your behavior. But if there's somebody you actually care about, now there's a mission and you can build, you've built your culture around that. It's going to show when you walk in the door and like, oh man, three of our, three of our account managers are, are retired teachers or superintendents that immediately resonates. Uh, they're going to pay you that extra cash versus that large conglomerate MSP that's sitting next to you that has every advantage except for culture and you're going to win. And we've seen that over and over and over again. That's why you humanize your approach to your clients. You can't just be a solution. You have to be a person and you treat them like a person. Sonny looks like about ready to say something other. You're chomping at the bit. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I, um, you know, what Bill shared, uh, I think that is where you got, you got to really uh, know your value prop. You need to know who you're serving and what do you have to serve them? Uh, I have a good question. Like, Bill, what directives are you pushing right now in your MSP? Uh, so probably the, yeah, so the probably the, um, the top um, directive that we have across the board is uh, automation, right? So as Sunny... Uh, Sonny pointed out, there's a talent shortage out there. Hiring is not easy right now and, and getting the right skill sets are just not easy right now. So anything that we can take, that we can automate, um, take a person off of, that we can then use those talented individuals on our team to further the business and provide higher value. So I, I would say absolutely top um, 
directive from an operational perspective is is without question automation and you know whether that's simple things like um you know automation of a task or trying to get advanced and solve some problems by leveraging ai ourselves to produce the outcomes but that is absolutely our top directive right now yeah we just did a webinar yesterday um i was on a panel where we talked about automation and automating the right things and it was like it was like SaaS alerts and they talked about how automating tier one tier two so you can push more talent into tier three and your account management and your relationships with clients and then automating that low-end activities your processes and procedures so that um you can really grow it, it became the theme of that entire webinar with a channel program was just yeah if you look at you look at uh so let's just take you know i think this is a classic example and it's a compliment to the company honestly uh in a lot of ways but you if you look at what amazon has done around user experience right um you know have you ever bought anything from amazon most likely the answer is going to be yes there and did you ever talk to an amazon sales rep did you ever interact with a human being no but 99.9% .9 of the time, everybody is going to talk about an incredible experience, right? I went on the website, I ordered it within a matter of a few seconds. I had an email confirming my order. Uh, I was a prime member. Next thing I know, I had my FedEx shipping uh, tracking number and I knew the day it was going to show up. And that overall experience was amazing. And the reality of the situation was there was no human involvement in it. It was 100% automated, right? So. I'm not saying there's not the need, especially in a, you know, my last conversations with you, Adam, I talked about the importance of customer service. I'm not going backwards on that, but customer service can't be focused on, you know, what should be automated and mundane task. It's got to be what's differentiating your business. Yeah. Like I loved the fact that Amazon did the Amazon key. That is like magic to me. Like I drive home and there's a box secured in my garage, just sitting there waiting for me to pick it up. You know, uh, and so that's and, and, and look at that. Look at that example. Right. But but look at that example. I think that's phenomenal. I'm glad you brought that up. Right. Amazon saw a problem clients were having and the and it was an Amazon problem as well. But the client's problem was thieves was stealing the packages. Right. That, if, if thieves weren't stealing the packages, the reality is Amazon key would never have been invented right or implemented so here was a situation where they said okay what what's hurting our clients and in the end it was hurting them because it was creating customer service calls hey i never got that package it doesn't matter that fedex said it showed up it didn't right so it was creating a tremendous amount of inefficiency in their business could you imagine what their help desk looked like every time a package got swiped right and getting in that and even if it was automated it was flooding a, an automated session of returns or unsatisfied customers right and through innovation from a technology perspective and automation they were able to solve that and in the end to your point you're sitting there saying i just love amazon key and i wouldn't buy anything from anything else because my package is secure and waiting for me so look at the outcome they got so I think we have to do the same things. We have to make stuff that should be self-service and easy. I, I use the example of uh, ATM a lot of times with my customers. I mean, listen, I, I, I love going in and talking to a human being in a bank. Um, you know, the smiles, the how you're doing, they greet you. I think all of that stuff is excellent. 
But the reality is if I just need to go grab a, a, a quick transaction for some money, I'm, I'm most likely just going to hit the ATM and self-service myself, right? So that's the culture. And if you start to look at the younger generations that's coming in the workforce, that's what these people grew up with. I mean, they, they expect to be able to offer self-service, take care of things, and, and get it taken care of. So I think you need to be building your business and your culture that way. Yeah. And if you look at industries over time, like look at automotive industry. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be that everything was hand manufactured. Look at tennis shoes. It used to be everything was stitched together. And then mm-hmm. as a, an industry matures, those those processes and procedure based activities get automated. We're there as engineers. Absolutely. now. We're there yeah. in IT now. Now, how are you going to get on board with that? I love exactly. that advice. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing that came to mind is I talk about the three great virtues, the middle one, hubris, uh, the ability to do things. <laughs> So well that other people brag about them. Yeah. Look yeah, at your favorite company. You're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. they do this so well. My IT yeah. service writer brought me this this week, or they okay. did this for me, and it increased my profit margins by like 10% last year. Do things yeah. that other people want to brag about. Exactly. So, you know, there's a great book. Uh, I apologize and I, I feel bad, but the author's name is slipping right now, but it's, you know, turning customers into rage, uh, raving fans. And, and you know, you're raving. You, you just raved about Amazon, whether you realized you did it or not, you were raving about them. Yes. So uh, we're getting close to the end here. Um, Sunny's been quiet over there. I'm going to start with you on this one. What one piece of advice would you give to service providers? Aside from attending Build It, the must-attend event of the year, um, and coming and getting a unicorn shirt at our booth, you know, and getting um, whatever else, all the free material you're going to get there to build your MSP, what piece of advice would you give an MSP today to start doing now? Yeah. So one thing, so when I reflect on my journey and I learn from my experiences is I wish I have joined a peer group in the beginning, which I did. I started my business in 2003 and I started, I mean, I ended up joining around 2010. And what I have learned being part of a peer group community, MSP's peer group, so where we were sharing numbers, we were sharing our thinking, our ideas, and it kind of really was a game changer for me. So if you are part of uh, a peer group, great. If you're not, uh, that's number one advice that I have is be part of a community that can that's more of a collaborative that is uh, be you know they want to be there for each other and they are very it's a very supportive group and I mean that is what kind of really drives us to put in a lot of resources into creating this uh, build it institution as well that we have a forum for MSPs where true go-givers come and they share their discoveries, their insights, their struggles, their successes so that we can learn from each other's experiences rather than making mistakes uh, and then uh, learning because wiser people do learn from others' failures and successes. So that is my number one thing that I would like to share and then don't underestimate the power of soldiers around you, your team around you. So more emphasis, more time investment in building a winning team because that winning team is gonna take care of a lot of other byproduct business issues for you from growth, profitability, competition, 
and everything else. Bill, any advice from you? I think mine would be a little more tactical and I would just say, you know, existing MSPs that are in place today is, you know, positioning yourself for the wave of vendor due diligence that's coming. If you look at the compliance and the regulation, um, you know, organizations are being asked to evaluate and do due diligence from a cybersecurity perspective against all of their business partners. Um, so. If you kind of take a, just a quick analogy, you know, before you signed a lucrative contract with a business 10, 15 years ago, you might have run a D&B on them, checked their financial health, checked their credit worthiness, you know, maybe called some client references and who am I partnering with right now? Is this a company I really want to do business with? And what we're seeing is because of the compliance and regulation around cybersecurity, specifically to vendor due diligence, you as a business partner, and especially the fact that you're touching IT and you're providing IT services are becoming under uh, increasing scrutiny as to how sound you are as a business partner to partner with. So I would recommend that, you know, you take a hard look at yourself as an organization and, and be ready to really have somebody come in and inspect you as to are you worthy to be a business partner from a cybersecurity perspective? Yep. We just did our SOC 2 this year and it was it was eye opening and it's been very useful because we asked a lot. Yeah, we did our SOC 2 uh, for competitive advantage about three or four years ago. And um, I think we were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, my CTO quotes some numbers. I forget what they are, but there's a very low percentage. It's definitely less than 5% of all MSPs out there are SOC 2 certified. So that's just a great example. It's hard work. So it's, it's a great way to differentiate yourself. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, thank you both for coming on. I know we've run long, but uh, this week is Build It. Uh, I scheduled this MS, this podcast to be delivered right during the event when we're in Orlando. Um, you know, this is going to be awesome. Stop by the Humanized IT booth for a free unicorn augmented reality shirt. You can see me wearing mine right now. If you put up your camera, <laughs> it'll actually move and rainbows will shoot and guitars will play. Uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, we will build all of your QBRs for you before you leave the conference. And that is, that is our gimmick Perfect. this week. And we want to make things easy for everyone. We want to automate your QBR so you can focus on the conversations with your clients rather than building giant slide decks. Thank you, Sonny, for coming on. Thank you, Bill. I hope to have you guys on again. We've got some great topics here we could definitely expand upon. Yeah, thank, thank you, Adam. Adam. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you both. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.